This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, January 20th. I'm Samantha Sherris. And today is the first March for Life since the overturning of Roe v. Wade last June. And we have a very special guest joining us today to discuss. Reverend Dean Nelson is the executive director of Human Coalition Action and the chairman of the board for the Douglas Leadership Institute. We discuss today's march, what he thinks is next for the pro-life movement, and much more. We'll get to my conversation with Reverend Nelson right after this. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about a great way you can stay in the know on all the news The Daily Signal covers. Social media. The Daily Signal has an active presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are constantly posting news stories, clips from interviews, videos, and more across all our social platforms. Follow The Daily Signal on social media so you can get all the latest content from reels on Instagram to video clips on Facebook and political commentary on Twitter. Reverend Dean Nelson is joining the podcast today. He serves as the executive director of Human Coalition Action and the chairman of the board for the Douglas Leadership Institute. Reverend Nelson, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Excited to be here. So today is the first March for Life since Roe v. Wade was overturned last June. First and foremost, why is it important for pro-life advocates to keep marching? And what is your message to those who are marching today? Yeah, that's a very important question because for 50 years, uh, many of us who have been marching, uh, advocating, have been saying that we've waited for the day to see Roe versus Wade overturned. That doesn't mean that uh, our fight is over. And so I hope that uh, those who gather here uh, today uh, for this great march will continue to encourage people that we now have the opportunity to fight uh, 50 different battles in 50 different states uh, because with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that simply means that uh, our states, that people have the opportunity to restrict abortion uh, the way that states uh, should. And so we're continuing to encourage uh, advocates and pro-lifers all around the country that the fight is far from over and that we have great opportunity in key states to see abortion reduced. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of rhetoric from Democratic politicians claiming that black women specifically need abortions to succeed. Reverend, what do you make of that? You know, it's disheartening um, when I hear those kind of reports. Uh, it does uh, clearly demonstrate that the mainstream media and others uh, who are politically uh, engaged and uh, partnering with the abortion industry want to to uh, sell and to tell a narrative that is really inconsistent. Uh, I'm proud that our work has been with many uh, African-American pro-life leaders from around the country, some who are doctors, some who are attorneys, some who are presidents of uh, Democrats for Life, in fact, all around the country. And my hope is, is that at this march today and moving forward, that we'll be able to elevate those very important voices of black women who believe in uh, advocacy for women, but also strongly believe that abortion is not a solution for black women. 
I want to talk a little bit more about moving ahead. And as I mentioned earlier, Roe v. Wade, many of our listeners know, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And so with that in mind, what does the pro-life movement do next? Where does it go from here? You know, I think that the key strategy moving forward is really for a unified national uh, rescue system. That is having uh, pro-life pregnancy centers, having uh, advocacy organizations, uh, national groups, and also having churches really to work in a collaborative effort to see states that would defund Planned Parenthood like they have in Texas, to see other states uh, have stronger uh, pro-life laws that restrict abortion, but more importantly, that we are you, together emphasizing and focusing on how we can better serve women who find themselves in these difficult circumstances. Our research shows at Human Coalition that 76% of women who are seeking abortions say that they would choose to parent if their circumstances were different. So there's a lot of work that we can do collaboratively to help women and rescue children. So I want to talk a little bit more about your role with Human Coalition Action and its mission relating to the pro-life movement. Yeah. So one of the things that we decided at Human Coalition several years ago was not only did we see the need to raise dollars to engage with women seeking abortions, but we also saw a need to engage with states Many states like Texas and others had decided to defund Planned Parenthood, but they also had resources that could be used to help women who found themselves in these difficult circumstances. And these resources could also help in reducing abortions in those states. And so we decided to start Human Coalition Action to really inform uh, state legislatures and those also at the federal level to understand that there were ways to um, reduce abortion in states and to connect women with these services that often existed, sometimes private and sometimes run by state agencies, to really help them to uh, be involved in really kind of solving some of their problems themselves. And as I stated, 76% of the women that we've surveyed and we've engaged over the last decade with you know, over 100,000 uh, women seeking abortions, we know that these type of programs work. And so we're pleased to highlight that in states like uh, Tennessee, uh, Arizona, Florida, uh, North Carolina, and other states that are interested are willing to partner with Human Coalition uh, through the advocacy work that we do with Human Coalition Action to really see some of these abortion numbers reduced and to see women get the services that they need to help them in these difficult circumstances. And just to shift a little bit, uh, the new Congress is officially underway with Republicans in the House majority. What are you hoping to see policy-wise for the pro-life movement? Yeah, well, number one, we definitely want to continue to see the idea of defunding Planned Parenthood, even though we know that uh, it would be a tough thing to get signed by a pro-abortion president. But additionally, we would like to see uh, advanced uh, some form of a uh, of a heartbeat uh, bill, uh, at least to demonstrate that we believe that uh, life deserves to be protected at every uh, stage, uh, and particularly at the uh, at the federal level. Uh, additionally, Human Coalition has a number of other 
uh, innovative things that we're working with other uh, organizations um, at the federal level to help advance. Some of them are unique. Some of them are helping uh, women in need. Uh, others are uh, trying to protect, uh, you know, conscience protections for uh, doctors and nurses. So there are a number of things that we really want to uh, to highlight in this Congress. But our goal is really to work in a collaborative fashion uh, with other pro-life organizations and uh, encourage uh, the House to be able to stand uh, with the number of pro-life voices that we have uh, leading now in the House of Representatives. Reverend, I'm also curious on your thoughts on what might be missed in, say, the media coverage of the pro-life movement. And even with the, the March for Life today, what do you think the media is missing in its coverage of both the movement and potentially the march? You know, consistently, I think the media misses out on how many young people uh, gather at the march every year. We recognize that uh, this um, mission of justice for preborn children is not something that just old people uh, are, are, are advocating for, but young people. I think additionally, uh, there are huge numbers of women. I'm proud to see that there are uh, a number of young women that will be speaking uh, at the march uh, this year and also that there's continued bipartisan voices that are speaking up. We certainly are grateful for the work of uh, Democrats for Life and other uh, legislators who um, are not uh, Republican that are willing to stand up to their party. So I think that those are some of the things that the media tends not to focus on, that it would do well. Listen, most of America uh, believes that um, that we should have some level of protections for preborn children. And I think often the mainstream media does not highlight the number of uh, minorities, the number of Democrats, as well as uh, the number of young people that really hold true to uh, a pro-life position. And we want to tr try to expand that and hopefully get some coverage from the mainstream media on some of these unique and powerful voices. If you were sitting down in the room with, with President Joe Biden, what message would you tell him? What what would you tell him about the pro-life movement that you would want him to remember moving forward in the next two years of his presidency? You know, I always start with what abortion really is. Abortion is the intentional killing of a pre-born human being. And I would say to the president, number one, I would try to appeal uh, to his Catholic uh, upbringing uh, that this is a position that has long been held uh, by Catholic tradition. I would appeal to him from the standpoint that, uh, you know, one third uh, of Democrats would like to see some level of restriction on abortion. And I would challenge him that he doesn't have to hold to an extreme position. Uh, the Democrat Party seems to be uh, uh, held captive by the pro-abortion industry and Planned Parenthood. And I would, I would communicate that that is something that uh, most Americans don't want. Most Americans believe that there should be some restrictions. And so whether that would fall on deaf ears or, or, or not, I, I'm not sure. But I think uh, being able to demonstrate to him that there is a growing coalition of, uh, of pro-lifers that look a lot different than how his party tries to characterize our growing movement. Reverend Nelson, do you have any final thoughts before we go? I would just uh, encourage people to be reminded that 
we have uh, a long fight uh, ahead of us. We can celebrate uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which was very huge. But to encourage people not to give up, not to throw in the towel, that we need to work together, whether they are uh, you know, pro-life Americans that uh, work in the pregnancy center movement, whether they're pro-life Americans who support the work of some of our national advocacy organizations, but just as a reminder that we can never give up. You know, when uh, the Civil War ended, uh, slavery stopped, but we saw a rise uh, in the Ku Klux Klan. We saw the number of lynchings of black Americans uh, increase. And so there's always going to be retaliation when we have successes, but we can never give up. We can never quit. In the words of the great abolitionist Frederick Douglass, who said regarding these matters to agitate, agitate, agitate. And we hope to uh, continue to advocate uh, for the rights of preborn children all across the country and find new people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and help to do the work. Well, Reverend Nelson, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It was such an honor to have you on, and we so appreciate your insight. And would love to have you back on in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a great opportunity for me. Bless you. Have a great day. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening to my interview with Reverend Dean Nelson. If you haven't gotten a chance, make sure you start following our Twitter and our Instagram as well as our Facebook and be sure to check in on our website for updates regarding the March for Life. We'll have people on the ground covering from the start of the march through the end. Uh, so be sure to check out all of our pages for updates on the march. And be sure to subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and a review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great night, and we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.